Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Hi, and welcome back to the Carol Markwood Show on the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Podcast Network on iHeartRadio. As you may have heard, the pop star Taylor Swift is dating the football star Travis Kelsey. But no, don't go. Come back. This is not going to be an episode about Taylor Swift. This monologue really isn't about them specifically. It's about the larger subject that I would like to explore, which is what people really want in a mate when they're allowed to want anything. So there's been an insane amount of interest in Taylor and Travis, and we've reached the point in the news cycle where people are asking themselves, why am I so invested in this? And I see this all the time. Um, I see women calling it their Roman empire or saying it's my royal family. Um, but they're also openly asking themselves, why do I care? And I think I have the answer. So it's primarily women who are into the story, right? It's, uh, it's definitely bigger on the female side of the internet. And they're following these two while they go on dates, whether they're holding hands, they're monitoring their body language when they're posing together. It's like a whole thing. But probably the most viral clip of this relationship is when the couple pulls up to Emilio's Bellato's, a restaurant in New York City, and he moves her security guard away from the car door to open it for her. And he does it in kind of this like, I got it from here kind of motion. Women swooned. Why? Because it's manly and you like that. You want a man to behave like a man. You want the guy who opens the door and protects you and makes you feel safe. But worse is you've been tricked into believing you don't want that. And you've been tricked into believing that that guy, the provider, the caretaker, the one who makes you feel like a woman, that liking him is somehow anti-feminist or that that guy won't help you with the dishes or like leave you alone to raise your children and like will only grunt in your direction sometimes. It's crazy, but these stereotypes of men have gone so overboard and they become so accepted that way too many women believe them. Men are trash is a entirely acceptable thing that women say and really don't get any pushback. 
And what's crazy is it only hurts women. With accepting that lie, more women have remained single. The share of never married women increased 20% over the last decade. It's a high number. And yes, I think it's because what they actually like, what they want in a man, the kind of guy that does it for them, is the manly stereotype that they're taught not to want. They know what they're attracted to. They know what makes their body react, but it's not okay for them to actually want this. It's wrong and it's hurting women. This morning, my 13-year-old daughter was playing Taylor Swift on the way to a school and there was a line in the song about Taylor's boyfriend at the time. I think it's about Jake Gyllenhaal, but you know, don't quote me on that Swifties. I'm sorry if I get it wrong. But the line was, he throws her the car keys because F the patriarchy. I turned to my daughter and I was like, you are going to love the patriarchy when your husband is driving and you can play passenger princess and look at your phone and get the music playing and look out the window. You're going to enjoy the patriarchy very much. You do not want to fight the patriarchy on this. Believe me, the patriarchy is totally okay with letting you drive while he has his feet up on the dash. But it goes to the whole thing. Why wouldn't you want him to drive? I had a friend once say that the greatest trick the patriarchy ever pulled was tricking women into believing it was so amazing to go to work every day. Why are you fighting the patriarchy to give yourself a tougher life? Let's keep the patriarchy in place to have the men drive, okay? We like it. Manliness doesn't have to be the football player physique. I think that's another thing that people get wrong. It's more about competence, leadership, being able to care for a woman and the children that you'll hopefully have together. Women are so drawn to this Taylor and Trav thing because they can see what's different about this guy compared to other guys that she's dated who were not as caring to her, did not act in the stereotypical manly way of opening car doors and being protective around her. He's openly taking care of her and women are reminded, hey, I like that. I want that. So why was I stopped from admitting that? And if it takes Taylor Swift dating the guy that she actually wants, the guy who looks ready to take care of her, to get a lot of women to admit to themselves that that's what they're looking for too, we should be in full support, whether or not we'll be listening to Taylor Swift songs. Thanks for listening. Coming up next, an interview with Carol Roth. Join us after the break. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? 
it's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Welcome back to the Carol Markowitz Show. My guest today is the amazing Carol Roth. Carol is a recovering investment banker, two times New York Times bestselling author, and a bunch of other stuff we don't have time for. I am a huge fan of Carol, and I'm really excited to talk to her today. Carol, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I've been following you, you know, for years, and I see you as somebody who's very wise and very grounded, just a really steady person. And so it's something that I found a little concerning when I read your book, that you opened the book with a provocative introduction called The Coming War. And as you say, bluntly, there's a new financial world order that is coming for our wealth, our livelihood, social standing, access to opportunities. And I don't see you as a hysteric at all. So I take what you say very seriously. So can you explain to listeners what you mean by that? I, I certainly can. And I always hate being right. You know, it's, it's one of those things that I wish that I, <laughs> yes. I was wrong more often because I, I am mm -hmm. a realist. And so um, unfortunately, these days, a lot of the realism tends to be on the not so great side when really I just like to be fun. Frankly, Carol, I just wanted to be a game show host. I didn't want to talk about any of this <laughs> stuff. I wanted to give away money and prizes. Right. So, yeah, mm -hmm. when when I put this together and I said, you know, there's a war coming and that it's not World War Three, although that hangs in the balance with a certain probability, you know, that in and mm -hmm. of itself was a little bit uh, too prescient for today. But what I was talking about was World War F a financial world war where everybody mm -hmm. is effed, basically. And that is because we are at a time in our history's financial cycle um, where we're kind of on the end of a, an empire. And this is not something when you think about new world orders that is a conspiracy theory. This is something that's very well known through anybody who studies history. It's talked about by a lot of financial people. It's spoken about by the president of the United States. And we can say a lot of things about President Biden. I don't think conspiracy theorist is probably one of them. But you know, he's in mm -hmm. front of the business roundtable, uh, March 21st of 2022, and he talks about 
how the financial world order changes every few generations. And there's going to be a new world order out there and we've got to lead it. And that weave is kind of part of what we're talking about here, because you know he's talking to the business leaders, to the wealthy and well-connected, and they certainly see these changes that are happening. And it really seems, and, and I've documented, I think, it pretty well with hundreds of sources, that they're working as things change to make sure that they come out on top and, and hold on to all of those financial resources and the power and with that, everybody else, um, you know, kind of falls by the wayside. So when you think of, of all the different forces that are seeing this happen and trying to take advantage of it, you have, you know, the government and the, the Federal Reserve, these sort of government related entities. You have big mm -hmm. business. You have these crazy NGOs and uh, other organizations throughout the world, whether it be the World Economic Forum or the UN or whoever. And then you have big tech who's trying to rent everybody's life back to them as, as a su subscription or a service. So, you know, as somebody who really focuses on wealth creation opportunities for people and kind of trying to put my finger on what's going on with all these barriers, why people are working hard and saving and doing the right things and not being able to get ahead. You know, I'm trying to, to tie it all together. And that leads me to everybody's uh, favorite meme. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. And we know throughout right. history, yeah. the people who didn't own things, they weren't free. They weren't particularly happy. They weren't wealthy. And in many cases, they starved mm -hmm. to death. Right. Well, your last book was The War on Small Business, which I uh, read and enjoyed very much. I mean, enjoyed is the wrong word. You know, <laughs> couldn't sleep at right. night, sort of also uh, up there. Um, but how do those two things, how do they go together, the war on small business and the upcoming you know, financial revolution that you're foreseeing? I think that you'll find throughout all my books, I'm always kind of cheering for the underdog. And I'm really trying to focus on freedom versus central planning. And I think that's mm -hmm. kind of the crux of the problem is that we, um, as we have become more prosperous and people have become more, you know, well off and theoretically comfortable in their lives, that they give up many of their freedoms for this perception of ease and comfort. And it is to everybody's individual detriment, unless you're one of those mm -hmm. people um, on the inside. So we saw that during COVID, a lot of the decisions that were made were not based on data or science or anything wow. else. It was made yeah. by political uh -huh. cloud and connections. So obviously, if you mm -hmm. are a, a, a freelancer or a small business or you know, Main Street America, you were crushed and trillions of dollars of mm -hmm. wealth was moved from Main Street America to Wall Street, you know, by mandate, by central bank and, and government policy. And people can see that as sort of a symptom, but they don't necessarily recognize the ailment. And that's really what's been happening here, um, you know, whether it's the debasement of the dollar or the things happening around social credit informally, um, the threat of CBDCs, Wall Street coming in to compete with individuals for single family mm -hmm. homes, uh, you know, yeah. so on and so forth. You know, it, it's all of these sort of big entities 
trying to control what's going on, trying to make decisions, you know, by force based on what's good for them and their cronies, instead of letting, you know, the the free will of the masses shape that decision making. And even if we had the best and smartest people who were a bunch of Mother Teresa's, you know, doing that, it still wouldn't produce as good of outcomes as it would just kind of letting it happen freely. But human nature is human nature and people do what people do. And, and that is uh, at the end of the day, even if they say they're doing it for your benefit, they are benefiting <laughs> themselves and their cronies. Mm-hmm. They're, they're getting something out of it in the process. So what do you say to the people who think that small businesses ultimately did okay during the pandemic that, that, uh, you know, cause I, I, I feel like that's the line now, right? Like, what do you mean? They didn't, they, they, they got crushed. Like, didn't they get a check from the government? Yeah. So <laughs> this is one of those things. I don't think people understand anything about small business. I don't think they understand mm-hmm. the scope of small business before COVID. You know, we had you know somewhere 30 plus million. And now I think it's like north of 32 or 33 million small businesses in this country that are very disparate, like across industry, across geography, across ownership. They had about half of the revenue um, almost half of the employment of the country. So, you know, somebody knows one business that did okay, and they think that that perhaps speaks for, you know, 33 million businesses. The other thing that people don't understand is the, the concept of, of property rights and certainly eminent domain as set forth in the Constitution. When we shut down and this was about a third of the economy. I mean, this is unprecedented. You know, by mandate, a, a third of the economy was shut down, and that was largely small businesses. So, like, you could go to PetSmart and you could get your dog's hair <laughs> or fur groomed yeah. and that's nails clipped, mm-hmm. but you couldn't go to a small business and get your hair done or your nails done. And so, you know, you, you did have this huge transferring of but- wealth. Somehow my governor at the time, Governor Cuomo, always had a good haircut. I don't know how that, you know, (laughs) all the salons were closed, yet his hair was always Well, we saw Pelosi too, right? In in Mm -hmm. August of 2020, you know, having somebody open up a small business so that she could have her hair done as well, which, you know, just kind of goes to show you the reality of the situation, the politicization of the situation. Um, But, you know, when they shut those businesses down, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, a scenario where that was a decision that somebody made on their own. It was by force. You were being forced mm-hmm. to, they took your property for a period of time for the public good and you're owed due compensation. So like maybe you got a few thousand dollar check for that, but that doesn't make up for all of the business that you lost and certainly for right. them taking your business in the way that it should. And, and a number of small businesses have started to sue, um, you know, on mm-hmm. a state by state basis. So, you know, it just because you may have gotten a small, you know, drop in the bucket, that doesn't account for the damage that was done. And a lot of small businesses actually didn't step up and take that for fear of, you know, maybe the rules are going to change or this is going to come back to bite me. And I don't think it's a good idea. I don't trust the government. But you know who Mm -hmm. did take it on? It was a lot of fraudsters, a lot of wealthy people because they structured it like a complete nightmare and people who didn't need it. So while a lot of money was spent, it didn't go to the people whose property rights were infringed upon. And so it makes it seem like they should have been fine but they're not. And they also just don't have the wherewithal 
to weather the storm the way that a, a big company does. A lot of them are personally taking on the debt with a personal guarantee. It's mm-hmm. not just going to some corporate entity. They have one location versus a small business that's a chain that might have hundreds of locations. So the stakes for small businesses are very, very different. And we saw about seven figures of small businesses you know, closed permanently, killed by mandate, including ones that had been around yeah. for you know hundred more than a hundred years. So yes, yeah. there were a bunch of people who got stimulus checks and founded like little trading firms, and it looks on a net basis like, oh look, there's still plenty mm-hmm. of small businesses, but it doesn't make up for the the collateral damage that was done. I'm just so surprised that a government program didn't go well. I, I think sho- that, it's truly it's, shocking. It's the first time it's ever. Really shocking. I know. It's I I, I I I sit awake at night and go. Usually it works out <laughs> so great. They're so just smart. They time. do. Some, yeah. Yeah. It was, again, it was all of the things that we had right. all said. Hey, you know, here are the ways this is going to go wrong, and here's how you could just make sure it doesn't. And right. you know, that's never. And you hate being right. Never, you hate yeah, being right. Hate being right. It really <laughs> you know? is. I just I want to be right. wrong. That's gonna be that's gonna be my yeah. memoir. I want to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you go into the social credit system in China in this book. Um, can you describe what that is and how much the average person might have to worry about that kind of social credit system? So China has the most advanced social credit system in the world right now. But it's not what is always reported. And so that's kind of the interesting dynamic here. It's really done. It's not done on sort of a a full national basis. It's done on sort of a jurisdiction by jurisdiction basis. So some of this, the credit could be, you know, A through F as a score. Some could be one through five as a score. And they really decide what the important things are that make up social credit based on what's important to a jurisdiction. But the overarching issue is that you have a handful of people, the Chinese Communist Party, you know, on a jurisdictional level, who is saying, if you do these things, you're going to, you know, get rewarded. You're going to be, you're incentivized to do these good things. And if you do bad things, you are going to be punished. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to control behaviors, right? As Charlie Munger always says, show me the incentive, I'll show you the outcome. And so right. it's kind of hilarious, depending on where you are. You know, if you go and see your elderly uh, elderly parents, you get good points. Um, if you cheat on a video game, you get bad points. And, you know, if you take up too much room on an airplane, you get bad points, which, you know, in a way you probably should, but but not by the <laughs> government, you know, just in general. Right. By, by our glare. Yeah, exactly. You know. We should just be just be shamed <laughs> on social media. Um, but, th- you know, the, the reality of it is that, it kind of gets to the point where depending on the score, it can have really bad consequences for your freedoms and for your wealth creation opportunities. And obviously we're talking about this in the context of a communist society, so it's not entirely mm-hmm. surprising. But one of the stories I rec- recount is from NPR. It's a, a gentleman by the name of Lao Juan who is a coal intermediary. And so he buys, stores, and sells physical coal. All of a sudden, the Chinese government changes their policy on coal and his business is wiped out because of the government changing it. But now he's in debt and he goes on the blacklist. He's a bad person. So he goes and he tries to buy a ticket to travel. No, he can't do that. Then they're walking through town. They look up on a billboard and they see his face 
his name, his unique identifier, and it says, this is an untrustworthy person. And so that is what the social credit system is is sort of evolving to on an individual level. And then on a business level, I mean, we've seen, you know, billionaires like Jack Ma get Mm -hmm. disappeared for a certain period of time and then come back and be like, oh, I don't really want to own all of my company anymore. I'm going to give up some of my stock, which I'm (laughs) sure he just decided to do out of the goodness of his heart. So it's really frightening. Mm -hmm. So when you come to the U.S. and go, well, they're a communist country. We would never do that here. We've already had informal social credit here. You know, it starts with cancel culture. It moves to sort of an informal system. Then it moves to a state system. And this attacks all of your different aspects of wealth creation. It attacks your opportunities for wealth and your job and sometimes your assets. So, you know, think about COVID, right? If you didn't get a vaccine or you didn't wear a mask, you know, you couldn't go to Thanksgiving dinner, you were told, or, you know, your maybe your family members didn't want you to, to do that. Um, or you couldn't go eat in a restaurant, you couldn't participate in society, or you're wearing a mask. So you're ridiculed on social media trying to make you seem toxic. So people didn't want to work I I lost with her. you. In cases of your job, we know people, you know, by mandate or by fear of government mandate lost their jobs, including people in the healthcare field, first responders and whatnot. So, you know, that's taking away your source of income. And we had businesses that were directly shut down. So that's taking away your assets. If you were up in Canada, you had uh, the Freedom Convoy. So, you know, you had these truckers who had their bank accounts frozen. So, you know, all in all, this is a a clear establishment, even if it doesn't have a letter grade on it, of what a social credit system is here in the U.S. and how it's evolving. We're going to take a quick break and be right back on The Carol Markowitz Show. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander, with three spacious rows of seating, up to eight passengers, yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer, check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com, that's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. So, Carol, can these people be stopped? Is there a happy ending in your book? Can people be stopped? Um, I mean, they can. It's just a question of how much fortitude you have to stop them. I think that the the one message that I want everybody to know is that you should just ignore all of the things that they're saying and follow what they're doing. So that's like the best way to stop them is just follow their own game when they tell you, you know, oh, you don't need to to own a house. You should rent it you know, from somebody on Wall Street and your life will be easy. Just say no. And I know that's going to be really hard in this moment because prices are high for houses as well as mortgage rates. But have austerity, get your money together. And when you get a crack because, you know, the Airbnb industry falls apart and there's an entry point then you're able to to take advantage of that. So I think we have to sort of ignore the things that they're saying. And I want people to own more hard assets. Now, assets are things that uh, hopefully hold their value or appreciate in value. It's not stuff. I'm not telling you to go out and buy, you know, cute jeans and shoes and oh, you man. Know, great. Yeah, I know. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of a sad, sad in that scenario. I was going to take your pitch straight to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Birkin bags have well, held yes. their value for a yes, long time. Have. So you might be able to, mm-hmm. to make a, a collectibles case. Oh, that, I you do. Know, that that's a, I do yeah, make that case. <laughs> that, that's a store of value. But yeah, I just want people to kind of turn it on its head. Um, you know, Stop, stop spending on things, start spending on assets, own hard assets. You know, that's what they don't want you to do. They want you to buy into this narrative and just walk through your life with a little bit more in- intention. Like, do you need to follow this completely um, technological technologicalified? Is that a word? I don't know. Techified kind of scenario, or is there a way to do things in a more analog way? Um, yes, it can be convenient, but I think given the past several years, we do need to be thinking about what we're trading convenience for in terms of our freedoms. And, um, you know, hopefully that gives you a new lens to evaluate it through. What, what's an example of detechifying? You're, you're not saying use cash, right? I don't, I don't even know where to I get mean, that. You, yeah, I mean, <laughs> using cash is one of those things. Um, you know, do you need Alexa in your house? Are you really so lazy that you can't get up and turn on and off the lights yourself? Are you? Do you want to train AI on, you know, the, the things that you have written, Carol, that's in your voice um, and, you know, your research that now mm-hmm. becomes you know, part of this open source project. So you may go, yeah, Carol, I'm that lazy and I don't want to turn off the light, but that's <laughs> fine. But no, I'm too lazy to program Alexa to turn off my lights. Okay. Well, that's, that's <laughs> good. That works to your advantage, right. but you know, just think through these things and you may make the choice that yes, it is worth the trade-off, mm-hmm. but even if a fraction of the time you're saying, yeah, you know what, I'm going to going to do this in a different way. I think that will start to change people's behaviors and that will flow through all aspects of your life. What would you say people don't understand about building wealth? Well, I, I mean, is, that- is it just spending on stuff? 
So they're like sort of four components of your finances, right? There, there's your revenue or your income, how much you're taking in. There's the amount that you're spending. There's how you're financing it. So, you know, are you using that from your savings or are you taking on debt? And there's investing. And so that's kind of the, the, the puzzle. And it depends. You know, I've known people who are, you know, they, they make six figures a year and they're completely broke because they're just spending too much and they could right. be doing, you know, they could be accumulating wealth by changing those habits. And then there are people who just aren't bringing in enough income and revenue. And for some period of time, they probably should be working more. And so it really just depends on the, the person. Um, but the wealth does come from ownership. You, you have to own those assets that can hold value or appreciate in value. And if you don't, then you're not going to be able to garner wealth over a period of time and a legacy time. You know, by the way, you know, for most households in the U.S., the, the largest asset on their balance sheet is a home. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, that issue is something that you should be fighting at the local level for. You're getting the opportunity for more people to have homes, get rid of the zoning regulations and all of the costs um, that are silly that are associated with some of those regulations to give more people the opportunity to build wealth. And for Goodness sake, don't sell your house to a Wall Street corporation if you have other buyers. I mean, if you had no other choice, it would maybe be one mm -hmm. thing. But really think about that. That's going to be taken out of inventory forever. And they're going to be renting back the American dream to somebody else. So, you know, you, you have some level of control in these things. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a question that I ask uh, all of my guests, and that is, what do you think is our greatest societal or cultural problem right now? <laughs> so the, the short answer I feel like is, you've laid out some problems, but which well, one's your favorite? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'd say, well, this is kind of probably different than the stuff I usually talk about, but I mean, it, it comes down to people. People mm -hmm. are our biggest problem, right? Human nature remains yeah. very constant. We think that we are, you know, very evolved. Tech evolves. We've got this, you know, evolved civilization around us, and mm -hmm. humans just they act the same all the time. So I think that leads to kind of two different things because, of course, I can never just answer a question with one thing, Carol. I love it. I love um, it. That makes you a great guest. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the first thing is that people are sorely lacking a moral code. Mm -hmm. We used to have a society that was more religious, um, you know, focused more on whatever, whatever your religion may be. And not to say that religion doesn't have downsides and people can become fanatical about it, but human beings need that structure and they need that moral code. And as people have moved away from that, there has either been no substitution or really bad substitutions, mm. things like politics and government. Yeah. And people no longer, I think, know what they stand for. I don't think people have strong principles. I don't think people are proud of their name and defend their name and say, when I put my name on something, that means something. Mm -hmm. When I enter into a contract, I take that seriously. And without having that strong moral code, you get a civilization of people who act in a not particularly moral way. And I think that human beings, as we said, mm -hmm. who are who they are, need that more than anything. I have a very clear sense of self. 
I know what I stand for. Um, and, you know, I, I can lay that out for people. And I try not to, to vary from, from that. But I don't think that is particularly common right. in today's day and age. So I think that's that's one piece of it. The other thing is that there has been this incredible decoupling from reality. It's sort of the, you know, good times create weak men mm -hmm. part of the cycle. Yes. It is the prosperity paradox as, you know, things get better that, you know, people kind of, um, you know, this, take it in as worse and create more issues and drama because they don't actually really have any issues and drama in their lives. And so, you know, we get these people who, you know, no longer believe in math, mm -hmm. <laughs> things that like your right. basic laws of science, they think we can control the weather, like all of these yes. like crazy things that are completely decoupled from reality um, that I do believe is sort of linked to that lack of the moral code, but it all comes back up into people are the problem. Is it solvable? Can we get rid of people? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't want to say that. There are some, there are a lot of people who are actually trying to do that right, right now. I, I love people. I'm not. I'm, let me yeah, be clear yeah, here. I, yeah, I, I like people. I just don't mm -hmm. like society. Right? <laughs> or, or like I, I society. I like people. I don't know yes. which. I don't know which way it goes. But right. yeah, it's. Um, I, I think it does go in cycles, right? You know mm -hmm. that there is that when we say that good times create weak men, well, what happens with weak men? They create hard times and the hard times create strong men. So I do think that it is um, a part of the cycle. And, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, whether I'm looking at the financial cycle or just sort of the broader study of human nature, you know, there is an inevitability to it. So we wanna stretch out those cycles and make mm -hmm. them as long as possible. But as uh, as humans, we've never been able to conquer our own issues of, of being human. <laughs> but maybe, maybe next time. <laughs> maybe next time. Maybe, maybe maybe the robots will help. I don't know. <laughs> so my last question, and you've been a fantastic guest. I could talk to you forever. Um, end with your best tip for our listeners um, on how to have a good life, how to have a better life, how to improve your life. Choose to be happy. Choose to be happy. Uh, we cannot always control our circumstances. We can absolutely control how we respond to our circumstances. And no matter what is thrown at you, choose to be happy. Like, choose laughter, find coping mechanisms. Just there are things to take seriously in a moment, but you can't let that sit on your shoulders 24-7. Yeah. You know, be serious about it in the moment, but then go and enjoy your life. Like if we're only here for a very short period of time, right. my father, rest in peace, who was the greatest, he used to say a hundred years from now, none of this is going to mean blank. Mm -hmm. And it's true, <laughs> right? A hundred years yeah. from now, nobody's going to remember either of us, which is really sad, Carol, because they should. I mean, they're, they're I think not. they'll remember us. No, I don't think they will. <laughs> and, and so, you know, you, you can't like, yes, there are a lot of things that need to be solved and whatnot, but you just can't take it too seriously. Like yeah. find the laughter, use laughter as a, and, and humor as a coping mechanism, find more time to spend with the people and the things that make you happy. And when things go wrong, like just take a beat and just go like, 
is this really that big of a deal? Yeah. Is there a funny thing I can find in this situation? I love funny. Just, yeah. just well, funny trumps everything in my life. Absolutely. Like that's, it doesn't. It doesn't matter how inappropriate or how bad it is. Funny's mm-hmm. funny always wins, and I think that's a way to make you be happy and to just have a different perspective. A, a, a friend of mine um, has always said that people are looking for happiness to be something that it's not. In many cases, it's just the absence of unhappiness. Right. <laughs> and a lot of that you can control <laughs> yourself. So yes, there are bad things all around us and we'll, we'll fix them at the time, but then like take a breath and just choose to make your life better. It's, so much of this comes down to you and your perspective and what it is that you want to do. So if you want a better life, make that decision and go with it. I love that, Carol. Thank you so much for coming on. Her book is You Will Own Nothing. It is excellent. Highly recommend it. Buy it wherever you buy your books. And thank you so much, Carol Roth. Thank you, Carol. If I can plug my newsletter. If you oh, yes, like a, please. If you like a newsletter. Yes. CarolRoth.com slash news. Grab it. Excellent. Excellent. Will do. Thank you, Carol. Thanks, Carol. Thanks so much for joining us on The Carol Markowitz Show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.